0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Book of John, the companion podcast for all my writings and ramblings. And now, please turn in your books to Chapter 30. A Johnson Thanksgiving. Quick bit of bookkeeping while I've got you here. I'm running my usual end-of-the-month short story this week for reasons that I'm sure will become clear momentarily, with my usual blather running next week. We'll continue through December, but as Christmas and New Year's fall on Monday this year, I'll be taking those two weeks off so as not to trifle you on a holiday. We'll resume on January 8th, 2024. Digging back into the vault for this one, folks. I wrote this story for my family, specifically for my mother, the computer file marking it as Thanksgiving 1997. My parents were proud of me for pursuing a writing career, but didn't understand why I had to write such violent, nasty fare as I usually did. The answer is because I wanted to. My mom always wanted me to write stuff a little closer to home. They were huge fans of the down-home, yet still sarcastic style of storytelling, my mom favoring Irma Bombeck and my dad Garrison Keeler, so I wanted to emulate that sort of thing, if only the once. As you might guess, some of this is semi-autobiographical, but with the dial turned way up so as to properly amuse the family. The rest is purely the work of the evil imp that lives in my brain who loves to make trouble. I made minor editing corrections that should have been made 26 years ago, but have left it otherwise intact that you might enjoy a younger me trying to write in a different style. And a happy Thanksgiving to one and all. A Johnson Thanksgiving. It was going to be a Thanksgiving to remember at the Johnson house. Mama Johnson had spent the last two days fussing over the dinner, which was going to be the topper of all Thanksgiving dinners. She had finished defrosting the turkey at precisely 2.47 a.m. the previous morning and set it to cooking. And because she couldn't very well go to sleep with the oven on, she sat at the kitchen table doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. She was very good at the crosswords and only had to cheat once this time, although she still didn't think that Jack Kennedy was a valid 32 down since everybody called him John and the K messed up 27 across. She was a bit tired, but the anticipation and pride of a job well done was more than enough to keep her running. This was going to be the year everything went right. This year, she wouldn't have any of the embarrassments of the years before. No oven fires, no fist fights, no trips to the emergency room to remove the good silver from somebody's nose. And damn it all, she was going to get one nice word out of Grandma Herbert if it was the last thing she did. At exactly 5.25 a.m., she put a bookmark in her latest book. Mama Johnson felt a bit peeved about the misleading title, Women Who Run With the Wolves, having discovered that the aforementioned wolves were only metaphorical, and set about baking the biscuits and bread for Thanksgiving dinner. You had to bake the bread no more than 12 hours ahead, else it starts to go hard on you. and makes a wonderful projectile weapon, and the last thing Mama Johnson needed was another excuse for the twins to start pelting each other with stale food. 6.57 rolled around, and she allowed herself a few minutes to watch the sunrise. Normally at this time of the morning, she was hitting the snooze button for the third time, but right now, she was wide awake, the sun was just starting to peek over the horizon, and all felt right with the world. At 7.20 a.m., Papa Johnson came stumbling down the stairs, headed straight for the record player. Every year it was the same. He would dutifully wait until Thanksgiving morning and would proceed to play his entire collection of Christmas albums, from Nat King Cole to Johnny Cash to John Denver and the Muppets. They would pretty much play nonstop until two days after New Year's when he would stack them up again and tuck them away until next year. This year's selection began, as it almost always did, with Bing Crosby's White Christmas. She walked into the living room. Papa Johnson was sitting in his favorite easy chair, rocking gently, his eyes closed as he listened to Bing croon away. He looked so peaceful she was about to turn and return to the kitchen when his eyes popped open. Morning, he said simply. He had the incredible ability to be wide awake and perky almost immediately after he got out of bed. A valuable asset in a household brimming with excess hormones and grumpy non morning people. Good morning, she said and pecked him on the cheek. Happy Thanksgiving. She thought about dropping into his lap, as she might have in the early days of their marriage, but thought better of it. Not that it wouldn't be fun, but if she sat down now, chances are she wouldn't be getting back up anytime soon. Smells good, he said. Need any help? Maybe later, she said. He nodded, closing his eyes again. Should I wake the boys? Give them a little while. It's a holiday. This wasn't an altruistic sentiment. The less time they're awake, the less chance they have to do any damage. Did you talk to Matthew? I did. Did he say when he was coming in? If I remember right, he said, Damn it, Dad, I'll get there when I get there. She sighed typical Matthew. If there was ever a teenager who believed in following the path of maximum resistance, it was him. I'll plan for five o'clock then. If he's later, we can keep it warm. He nodded and returned to his rocking. She turned to head back into the kitchen, then stopped in her tracks as a thought crossed her mind. She very nearly dismissed it, but decided to try anyway. Jim, do we really have to play the records this morning? Can it wait until tomorrow or tonight? Peg, he said in his ever so calm baritone. Some men try to add variety to their life by drinking. Some commit adultery. I have waited 11 months to play these records. Never mind, she said, just please leave Dolly Parton for tomorrow, okay? He nodded amiably. Well, she thought, it's a start. At 9.47 a.m., she sent Papa Johnson to wake up the twins. From their rooms, she heard the moans and groans that might, if taken out of context, be mistaken for a small animal being ritually sacrificed. After a few moments, the moans became recognizable as human voices. "'Stop tickling me, damn it!' came the first voice, still clinging to a husky pre-voice change falsetto. This was followed almost immediately after by a matching voice. "'Dad, I don't have to get up! No school!' Then came the sound of Spunky, Jacob's parakeet. "'No school! No school! Shit!' Mama Johnson winced, feeling the twinge of an oncoming headache. Once Spunky started talking, there would be no shutting him up. He had been so cute once upon a time, and it had been Mama Johnson who had been so enthusiastic about teaching the bird to talk. She had been paying dearly for her error in judgment every day for the last two years. At first he'd spoken beautifully, carefully mimicking her every syllable, producing such phrases as Pretty bird and Good spunky. It had taken her hours of sitting patiently, talking softly, saying the same phrases over and over again to get him to that point. It had taken so long she had begun to wonder if Spunky wasn't, indeed, a little mentally challenged. That theory was blown apart when, after hearing Jacob say the S-word, Spunky reproduced it perfectly and had been interjecting it into his daily chattering ever since. Papa Johnson's voice came again. Up! Up! Like lightning, we spring up! The boys were having none of this, uttering cries of, Let me alone! and the almost disturbing unison that only twins can achieve. You have to say the magic words! Please, O oh father, moon of my moon, my life, my life. More moans and groans ensued. Boys, it's Thanksgiving morning. For the last 13 years, you've had a roof above your heads and a table at which to break your bread. Now to demonstrate your appreciation, go downstairs and help your mother. And Jacob, please refrain from hitting your brother. Various thumps and dragging sounds came from upstairs. Moments later, the twins came downstairs, their eyes halfway closed. Jacob was dressed in the same jeans and t-shirt he had worn the day before. Mama Johnson guessed he had fallen asleep in them, as was his habit, and Joshua wore only his frayed boxer shorts. This sucks. Why do we got to get up so early? It's nearly ten, Jacob. Joshua, go upstairs and put some clothes on, please. Mom! Now, Grandma's going to be here soon and I don't want her to lecture me about how I let you boys run around naked. Joshua sullenly turned and stumbled upstairs, tripping over every third step. Mama Johnson turned her head, not wanting to watch. Fearing with each trip, this would be the time that God turned his head and Joshua would tumble down the stairs. Puberty had been unpleasant for both the twins so far and showed no signs of relenting. Both had shot up a half foot in size and such a drastic change had taken its toll. Joshua had lost all sense of coordination. Jacob had become a living grease factory, his face a mess of acne, and his hair slicker than the underside of a Buick. Jacob shuffled past Mama Johnson into the living room, switching on the television and plopping down on the couch. The harsh jabber from the television immediately clashed with the soft music coming from the speakers, which, in this case, was the Vienna Boys Choir's rendition of Do You Hear What I Hear, producing the unique kind of white noise that only teenagers seem able to filter through their heads. Spunky rested in his usual spot on Jacob's shoulder, cocking his head this way and that, each time coming to rest on a different reflective surface, and each time Spunky would let out a contented coo as if to say, Oh, jubilation and ecstasy, I have discovered yet another shiny object with which to admire myself in. Unable to vocalize these feelings, he would, of course, refer to old reliable. Shit! Papa Johnson walked downstairs, stopping in the doorway to the living room and looking at Jacob. Son, I'm pretty sure that helping your mother does not require the television to be on. Dad, the Vikings are playing! Let him be, Mama Johnson said quietly. It'll keep them out of trouble. Could you turn the music off? Papa Johnson gave her the closest approximation of a scowl he could muster, then dutifully shuffled over to the record player, turning it off. Despite herself, Mama Johnson was sorry to hear the music go. As much as she disliked the music breaking her precious silence, anything was preferable to the sound of grown men yelling and getting excited about other grown men grappling with each other over a piece of rawhide. A moment later, Joshua stumbled back down the stairs, nearly falling over the second-to-last step, a fall that surely would have shattered half the bones in his body, into the living room and plopped down next to Jacob. It was amazing, Mama Johnson noted, that while the two of them could barely be in a room together three minutes without a fistfight, When they were watching the Vikings play, they shared an almost holy pact, not to begin hostilities until after the game, or at least until the next commercial break. That in mind, Mama Johnson silently prayed that halftime was at least an hour away. The gods smiled on her prayers, and when halftime did roll around at 10.38 a.m., Mama Johnson was more than prepared to break up the twins' first fistfight of the day, which started when Joshua claimed that Jacob had up and smacked him for no reason. Jacob defended himself by saying that Joshua had prompted the attack by flipping him the bird. This led back to Jacob calling Joshua a butthole, and so on and so forth. Mama Johnson launched into her prepared speech, which always ended with her threatening to send one of them to their room. She didn't care which one. She got about halfway through her speech when Joshua piped up and said, Mom, move, game's on. Both boys had returned to their original peaceful positions, their eyes glazed as they watched. Mama Johnson was about to say something, then thought better of it. Best to save it for when it's really needed. She stepped back into the kitchen and felt a rush of wind and the flapping of wings as Spunky flew past her, headed towards the bathroom to gaze longingly at himself in the mirror. She made a mental note to clip his wings sometime in the next few days. It was something she kept putting off because despite his foul mouth, Mama Johnson genuinely disliked the idea of having to hobble a living creature, even if it was for his own good, because inevitably the day was going to come when somebody would open the front door and the unclipped Spunky would seize the opportunity to take off out the door and never look back. It was precisely noon when the doorbell rang, heralding Grandma Herbert's arrival. Papa Johnson answered the door, yelled, Hey, Mom! So she could hear him properly. Come on in! Mama Johnson heard Grandma reply, but couldn't make out exactly what. A moment later, Papa Johnson led Grandma into the kitchen. Grandma had already gone into one of her long-winded reminiscences. This time, Mama Johnson guessed about her late-lamented husband, who had gone to his great reward seven years earlier, but whom Grandma talked about as if he had just died last weekend. And you know those hospitals hate old people she said as she rounded the corner. She nodded primly when she saw Mama Johnson. Hello, Peg, do you need any help in the kitchen? She asked without the slightest intention of being asked to help. Mama Johnson knew from previous years not to even go there. While Grandma hadn't disapproved of her son's marriage, she wasn't exactly thrilled at his choice, as she had been holding out for the daughter of her next-door neighbor, whom she absolutely refused to believe was one of those lesbians she had seen on that dreadful Ellen show. Mama Johnson replied simply, Not at all. Go have a seat in the living room. I'll send the boys in to see you. Papa Johnson laid Grandma Herbert into the living room and Mama Johnson called upstairs where the boys that had gone to play Nintendo and fight for no good reason other than sheer boredom. Joshua! Jacob! It only took two times of yelling upstairs before the twins sullenly came down. Boys, I want you to go in the living room and visit with your grandmother. Ah, do we have to? She is your grandmother and you will show her the proper respect but all she does is talk about dead people. As much as she knew she was supposed to, Mama Johnson really couldn't find fault with that statement. Grandma Herbert had the unique capacity to not acknowledge anyone until after they had passed away, usually of a particularly painful operation or degenerative disease. She would whisper the names of the diseases when she spoke of them, as if by doing so she was doing her duty and keeping a well-guarded secret, although everyone at the table could hear her just fine. Mama Johnson stifled a giggle, knowing full well that if she didn't, the twins would start giggling as well and wouldn't stop for the rest of the night. In this case, then, it was better to let them suffer the anguish of having to sit through the 40-second retelling of Uncle Joy's unsuccessful battle with prostate cancer, rather than encouraging them to let loose their youthful exuberance before dinner and ruin all chances of a good sit-down meal. Now, boys, someday you're going to be glad you took the time to get to know her. Bullshit, Jacob said, immediately launching both boys into gales of laughter. Hey, watch the mouth. Bullshit, Spunky added helpfully. Come on, Ma, do we gotta? Because I said so. That's not fair! She sighed before uttering one of the phrases she had vowed at their age never to say to her children, Life's not fair. Now get going. They shuffled off to receive their wet kisses from Grandma. Watching the glazed look in their eyes, Mama Johnson felt sorry for them. She knew their plight all too well, but she had already planned for a specific amount of them cursing and kicking one another under the table and didn't need to add more to the mix. At 2.13pm, as Mama Johnson was putting the stuffing in the microwave, there was a click in the lock of the front door and the sound of a key turning. A moment later, the door banged wide open, followed by the familiar sound of a teenager burdened with a heavy tote bag stumbling through. Mom! Dad! Don't let the bird out! Mama Johnson shouted. Wishful thinking, she thought. I'm probably going to be stuck with that bird until the day I die. Then when I go to heaven, I'll be reunited with my loved ones, and there he'll be, happily saying, Shit! over and over again. She wiped her hands off and went into the living room to greet their oldest wayward son, Matthew. Matt, she corrected herself. He's Matt now. Matthew was a kid's name, he had informed her when they dropped him off in his dorm room. That was when Matt was going to be a doctor, and he insisted upon the proper respect. His intention to remain a doctor lasted nearly a month, when he decided that he was going to major in music and form a punk band, but the name Matt had stuck. That major lasted another month or so, when he decided his creative energies were better focused on writing novels. Mama Johnson had tried to talk to him about picking a solid major, reminding him about the switch from pre-med to musician, but as Matt would remind you, that was a long, long time ago, almost a full three weeks, and he was now and forever more a writer. Which meant she feared that in ten years she would read his first book and the main character would be a nagging, overbearing mother who gets pushed into a fireplace at the end. Well, as long as he's paying his own bills, she thought, he can write whatever he darn well pleases. When Mama Johnson got to the door, she found Matthew enfolded into Papa Johnson's huge arms, squeezing him in an enormous bear hug. Oh, what a pretty little girl, he exclaimed. Look, Peg, the daughter we always wanted. Matthew was not amused. Dad, let go. He pulled himself away, and Mama Johnson got a good look at her eldest son's latest attempt to subvert authority. His hair had grown three inches from the last time, brushing down to his chin. Not that you could see his chin, since it was covered in at least two weeks' worth of uneven stubble. Mama Johnson knew better than to try giving him a kiss. He was much too grown up, and though he wouldn't push her away like he did in high school, he would stiffen like a board, trying his hardest not to enjoy it. Better to just let it go and hope that he grew out of it. She looked up at him and was amazed how he towered over her now. Had this been the same child that not ten years ago would look up to her with his huge puppy dog eyes, usually right after he'd broken something? She sighed. There was going to be no easy way around the greeting, so might as well jump right in and get the unpleasantness over with. Hello, honey. We missed you are you ever going to shave she began counting down in her head three two one why are you always on my case mom shit shit spunky chirped in from the living room always glad to be of service watch your mouth she said knowing already how futile it was god mom the teachers at school don't care how i talk well they don't have to live with you i don't want you cursing in front of your brothers like it matters he mumbled but she could tell he would at least be good for the next few hours afterwards well that was another worry "'You can put your things in your room. "'I didn't have time to clean it.' "'Like I care,' he said in his usual cheerful manner, "'and dragged his overstuffed tote bag back to his room. "'Mama Johnson looked at Papa Johnson with a half-smirk. "'He smirked back. "'No matter how many leave the nest,' he began. "'It's never fast enough,' she finished. "'He smiled. "'Just think, in five years we'll have the house all to ourselves. "'Unless, of course,' he said, a wicked gleam in his eye, "'we are favored with the Amanda Bartholomew curse. "'Bite your tongue!' Mama Johnson replied curtly. She didn't even like to joke about it. Amanda Bartholomew was the daughter of one of her friends from church, who had, since dropping out of high school, been nothing but a drain on her parents, living at home rent-free without a job and without any intention of ever getting one. She had a number of boyfriends, and though nobody ever dared say it aloud, including Mrs. Bartholomew, everyone knew it was only a matter of time before Amanda would get pregnant. And get pregnant she did, by a guitar player she met in a bar. She hadn't even remembered his name, let alone had the foresight to get a phone number or address. And so now, as a single mother-to-be, she sat at home collecting welfare and living off her parents as she waited for her new arrival. Whenever Mrs. Bartholomew brought up her daughter in conversation, Mama Johnson would always try to say things like, You're so patient. Or, It takes a lot of kindness to do what you're doing for her. While thinking to herself that if any of her sons dared pull the stunt like that, she would beat the living snot out of them. "'Boys!' she yelled, "'Come say hello to your brother!' She heard the twins cry in unison, "'Charge!' And a moment later, they ran past her up the stairs into Matt's room. She heard a cry, a thump, and the ensuing sounds of chaos as the three proceeded to beat one another, as was their strange greeting custom. "'Should I go break it up?' Papa Johnson asked. Mama Johnson shook her head. "'Let them wear out. At least they all get along.'" At 4.55 p.m., Mama Johnson finished the last item of the dinner, the salad, setting it on the counter next to the other food items. She had set the twins to setting the dining room table, and it had only taken them two minutes to start fighting. There was an enormous amount of food, enough to feed two armies, or at least enough for a month's worth of leftovers, except for the biscuits. Every year, she made two extra helpings of biscuits, thinking that she would make them last at least for a couple of days, and every year, Matt would eat them all. She put the extra biscuits in the oven with the heat turned on low so as to keep them nice and warm. As she was closing the oven door, she felt the flutter of Spunky whipping right by her face, knocking her glasses off. She slammed the oven door, picked up her glasses, and charged into the dining room to see that Joshua had Jacob in a headlock, and they were cursing furiously at each other. Dork! Dweeb! Shitter! Mama Johnson could take no more of this. Damn it, knock that off right now! They did nothing of the kind, continuing to roll around and pummel one another while throwing out insults. Mama's boy! Teacher's pet! Shitter! Mama Johnson had had it. She stormed over to them, feeling a burning behind her eyes, a buzzing in her brain, as if a switch had been thrown, one that wouldn't allow her to rest until this god-awful noise had been silenced. As she got closer to them, the twins saw her eyes and recognized the threat immediately. They disengaged, covering their heads, realizing that they had, indeed, pushed the correct buttons and were now going to pay the price for their youthful folly. Wait, Mom, it was his fault! Wait! But wait, she could not. She was a patient woman, but enough was enough. In the most ferocious display of fury she could muster, she raised her hand up ready to swat Jacob in the seat of his pants when she looked up to see Grandma Herbert standing in the doorway of the dining room, glaring at her. Mama Johnson lowered her hand, knowing that no matter what the circumstances, she was going to come off looking like the bad guy. At first, Grandma didn't say a word. Simply made her way to her chair, sitting primly, waiting to be served. Grandma shook her head in my day boys were never so rowdy or disrespectful my brother donald mama johnson tuned her out as papa johnson and matt came into the dining room the twins having been spared their fate got into their seats grinning already beginning to kick and poke one another under the table as she set the food on the table mama johnson was able to slowly talk herself back to being calm things were off to a shaky start but dinner could certainly still be salvaged she thought that was when the doorbell rang she looked at papa johnson His look confirmed what she dreaded, that she hadn't forgotten anybody, that everyone expected for dinner had already arrived, that this was, indeed, an intruder to the festivities. Mama Johnson's mind raced, speeding through all the possibilities. Somebody collecting for charity, a neighbor wanting to borrow a last minute cup of something, even one of the twins' friends coming to try and wiggle their way into a free meal would be perfectly acceptable scenarios in her mind. In later years, Mama Johnson would swear that the moment before she opened the door, she had a flash of premonition a vision of disaster so strong that her heart literally stopped beating for a full three seconds. Papa Johnson would steadfastly agree, attributing her heart fail not to precognition, but to the smell of what lay behind the door. Whichever it was that struck her first, it was enough to suck all the blood out of Mama Johnson's face as she opened the door to see a man she hadn't seen for nearly eight years. Hey there, Peg, ain't you gonna say hi to your brother? Mama Johnson stood in the doorway, not moving, not breathing. On the porch stood her older brother, Benny, dressed in what passed for good clothes in his demented mind. Combat boots, wrinkled khaki pants, and a button down camouflage shirt. He was always dressed in some kind of camouflage, had been doing so since being discharged from the Army after returning from the Vietnam War. Benny had never been what you would call a stable personality, so when the Army told their family that they could expect to see some drastic personality changes due to things they'd seen and done over in Vietnam, Mama Johnson was surprised to note that he hadn't actually changed a bit. At the moment, though, Benny was the absolute last person that Mama Johnson had expected or desired to see. "Um, uh, Benny," she stammered. "What are you?" Before she could finish, Benny had pushed past her into the living room. "I know I didn't call ahead of time, but I figure, hey, it's Thanksgiving. Peg'll be glad to see me." Before Mama Johnson could affirm or deny that statement, Benny had spied the rest of the family. "Jimbo, how you doing?" He pounded Papa Johnson on the back. "I'm fine, Benny. How are you?" "Oh, can't complain. Can't complain." Then he saw Matt standing quietly to the side. Hey, Matthew, good to see you. Matthew waved to him. So what grade are you in? I'm a freshman in college. A college boy. Well, good for you, smart boy. What are you studying in college? Writing, Matt said, squirming a bit. Writing? We had a writer in our company in Nam. He said when he got out, he was going to write a book about us. He died of tomean poisoning two days before we were lifted out. He was a kind of funny one. Benny turned to see the twins staring at him with awe and fear. He snapped a salute and a grin at them. As you were, soldiers. Jacob was silent. Joshua, however, was not. Uncle Benny, are you drunk? Mama Johnson felt her face flush. Joshua! Benny laughed. That's okay, Peg. He turned to Joshua. No, son, I ain't drunk. I never drink before dinner. He threw a wink to Matt and Papa Johnson. After dinner, though, that's a different story. He took a big breath, pleased with himself. Hot damn, it's warm in here. Reminds me of when I was killing Charlie and Nam for Uncle Sam. Hey, that sort of rhymes. You should write that down, he said to Matthew with a grin, beaming over his rather impressive literary accomplishment. Matthew didn't seem as thrilled. Have a seat, Benny, Mama Johnson said, as Papa Johnson brought in an extra chair. Benny plopped down and stuffed a napkin in his shirt, making himself right at home. Now don't mind me, you just go right on ahead with your dinner. He started heaping mashed potatoes on his plate, dripping them every which way on the tablecloth. Mama Johnson sat down. Things had not started well. She turned to Grandma Herbert, hoping to draw attention away from Benny, who was slurping the cranberry juice from the edge of his plate. Grandma, would you like some green beans? Grandma Herbert replied stiffly, I don't eat green beans. They give me gas. All three boys stifled a giggle. Sensing she had an audience, Grandma Herbert pressed onward. I haven't eaten green beans since 1993. That was the year my sister Serena passed on. She lowered her head and whispered to Mama Johnson in the loudest whisper in recorded history, Alzheimer's! She took the necessary pause before she continued onward. But you know how I am. I never complain. I just sit back and watch the world go by from my porch. It was then that Papa Johnson dropped his fork with a clang, sat back in his chair and said, Mom, can we please talk about somebody living for a change? All three boys began to titter. Mama Johnson watched as Grandma Herbert's eyes widened, amazed that she had been silenced. Then she took a bite of turkey. Her first that evening, Mama Johnson was pleased to note. For a moment, she allowed herself the hope that maybe things were going to turn out after all. That was when Benny, who had been silently gorging himself, decided to make his presence known again. God damn, this is good food. Pardon my French, but we sure didn't have shit this good in a jungle. Mama Johnson winced, waiting for Spunky to pipe in with his customary shit, and was thankful when it didn't come. Benny, meanwhile, continued on. No, sir. We had to eat raw beans three times a day if we were lucky. Couldn't carry too much food on account of it would slow you down and make you target practice for Charlie. There was one time we had humped all the way to the tan keg and there guarding the place was the biggest, uh, excuse me, Vietnamese soldier I had ever seen. He stood there holding a machine gun pointed at us and we knew if we didn't get past him, we were going to lose the war. Action was called for on that day and brother, I was there to answer the call. And then Benny proceeded to reach in his boot and pull out the biggest gun Mama Johnson had ever seen. He pointed it at an imaginary Vietnamese soldier, the part of which was going to be played tonight by Mama Johnson's good China cabinet. I pulled out my trusty nine and I said, Get out of there, you godless heathen! Put your hands where I can see them! It's said that a mother, when her children are threatened, will fight to the death defending them. It was to this that Mama Johnson would later account her desire to jump in front of the gun and protect her china cabinet from a stray bullet. Benny, I've told you about carrying guns in my house. Benny looked at the gun in his hand as if noticing it for the first time. A confused look passed through his eyes as if he was mentally rewinding back to exactly what point he felt it was a good idea to draw a loaded weapon at the dinner table. Oh, right. Guess I sort of forgot. He tucked the gun back in his boot. But you can never be too careful what with them reds lurking in the trees and all. You know they don't believe in God. Yes, I think you mentioned that. Heathens, he said simply and stuffed a mouthful of mashed cranberries in his mouth. A lull had fallen over the table. Grandma Herbert piped up, having apparently found a topic of conversation that didn't involve the dead, merely the different. My next next next-door neighbor's son fought in Vietnam. He was a-colored, she whispered. Hearing this, Matt decided to descend from on high and walk among his common family, imparting them with the wisdom of the ages. You shouldn't call them coloreds, Grandma. There are a lot of societal problems surrounding African-Americans that we Caucasian-Americans can't understand, nor would we be able to fathom the depth of them, even if we were able to step outside of ourselves for one day into the skin of the colored man. Mama Johnson wanted to scream, to yell out for Matt to stop. But just like when you pass a particularly brutal car crash, she felt helpless able to only stare in fascination as Grandma Herbert's jaw opened wider and wider. She was a woman of high breeding and as such did not believe that condescension was the proper attitude befitting grandchildren. We had some of the nicest dark people you would have ever met in our neighborhood, was all she could muster. Before Matt could reply, telling Grandma Herbert the error of her ways, Mama Johnson found her voice. Jacob, would you go get some extra biscuits from the oven, please? But mom, now. Jacob rose and walked into the kitchen. Silence had again fallen on the table. Matt had wisely come to the conclusion that his wisdom had fallen upon deaf ears. Benny was strangely quiet, staring at his turkey angrily. Mama Johnson had discovered years ago the best way to turn conversation was to speak at length about something nobody had any interest in. She was about to say something about the remarkable way her plants had grown that year when from the kitchen came Jacob's scream, Spunky! Mama Johnson was immediately on her feet, headed into the kitchen, quickly followed by Papa Johnson, Joshua, and Matt who grudgingly helped Grandma to her feet to see what all the fuss was about. They found Jacob on the kitchen floor, sobbing. Mama Johnson looked around the room for Spunky, but couldn't see him anywhere. As she scanned the countertop, she played back in her mind the checklist she had gone through to prepare for this evening. The complex things had gone without a hitch. Why was it the simplest tasks were impossible? All she did was ask him to get the extra dinner rolls. Absently, she looked in the oven at the dinner rolls. And that's when she saw what Jacob was screaming about. There, on the upper oven rack, was a well-cooked Spunky. Her mind was racing a hundred miles a minute. How could he possibly have gotten in? She looked for holes in the oven door, a crack, anything that could possibly explain it. After all, she had been here in the kitchen the whole time, so surely she would have noticed if... And then she remembered. Back to when she last closed the oven, hearing the flapping of Spunky's wings, kneeling to pick up her glasses, and feeling the wind as he flew by. Right into... Jacob's sobs grew louder. Mama Johnson knelt beside him. I'm sorry, honey. It was an accident. Honest. You didn't like him. You never liked him. The image Mama Johnson had earlier of meeting Spunky in heaven played back to her again. Only this time, he looked much as he did now. Well done. I just didn't like his cursing, sweetheart. I would never do this on purpose. You believe me, don't you? He nodded, sniffling. She gave him a hug and he hugged back. Without speaking, Joshua knelt down beside Jacob and hugged his brother tightly. Even Matt, stoic Matt, who preferred not to be hugged, stepped forward and put his hand on Jacob's shoulder. He was trying to hide it, but he was misting over a little. For the first time all day, the Johnson family had been united in emotion. That was when Brother Benny shot the turkey. From the dining room came the explosive crashes of gunfire and Benny's screams, Death from above! Take that, you bastards! Airborne Rangers, lead the way! The entire family rushed to the doorway to watch Benny as he fired upon his imaginary foe. He plugged the defenseless bird a full seven times and would have fired even more had he not run out of bullets. He kept pulling the trigger, the hammer clicking on an empty chamber. The twins stood in the doorway, staring at the Swiss cheese turkey, their eyes wide, having forgotten all about the spunky kebab in the next room. In that creepy unison that only Jacob and Joshua could muster came a single word. Cool... Mama Johnson could only stare at the turkey, her poor, beautiful turkey, whom she had stayed awake for 36 hours defrosting, stuffing, cooking, and basting, her own misbegotten turkey, which now lay in charred pieces, black bullet holes lining it. She walked over to the table, picking up a piece of charred drumstick, holding it up to her face. Something was buzzing in her head, like a stick of dynamite, ready to explode. Leave it to Matt to light the fuse. I should have stayed at school. Mama Johnson felt the snap in her head could almost hear it, as she turned on them all, seeing them as a single mass, all against her. It was they who had conspired to ruin her thanksgivings year after year, and now she could hold in her thoughts no longer as she erupted a scream she knew could be heard for six square blocks. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! So help me, I don't want to hear another word out of any of you! I spent my whole day cooking and slaving so you can have your Thanksgiving dinner, you, you, you selfish bunts of Amanda Bartholomew's! The silence was astounding. She stared at the whole family who stared back at her as if she were an insane lunatic. She felt like a lunatic, her face bright red with anger, clutching pieces of bullet-ridden turkey. Joshua was the first to break the silence. Dude, she called us Amanda Bartholomew's. Mama Johnson immediately felt a twinge of shame. I'm sorry, that was uncalled for. I apologize. Then, much like the single shot that marked the beginning of the Revolutionary War, came a small titter. It spread first to the twins, then to Matt, Papa Johnson, and Benny, and finally, even though she probably had no idea what was going on, Grandma Herbert actually cracked a smile. Mama Johnson stared at the turkey she held in her hands and couldn't help but smile herself. After all, she'd gotten her wish. It was, indeed, a Thanksgiving to remember. Even if the turkey did taste like cordite. Postscript. If you're wondering, in real life, my mother didn't accidentally kill my brother's parakeet. That was me accidentally slamming him in a door as he flew past me. I feel terrible about it to this day. Thanks so much for coming around, everybody. You can reach me, if you'd like, at the Book of John Podcast at gmail.com, or you can go to johnpatricknelson.substack.com to read this and all other writings that I have stored up in there. Thank you so much for listening. The church will be closed on Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. We will see you on Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving.